Well, today we're going to talk about the bread of life. We have been in the theme of different names of Jesus and the aspects of his character that they convey. So uh, we'll be coming from John chapter 6, uh, verses 22 through 69. I am Joshua, by the way. So glad that you're here. I'm excited I get to be part of the pastoral team here. And um, it's an honor. I better pray, huh? That'd probably be a good idea. Shall I pray? I'll pray for me, and then it'll be a collateral blessing for you. How's that sound? Lord God, we want to thank you so much that you have given us the scriptures and that we can come together and look at your scriptures and it causes us to center on who you are. Thank you that your word causes us to be able to look at these writings, God, that you've given us over thousands of years, that we would discover you, that you would protect us from breaking off into factions and our own personal interpretations, and that you've given us an opportunity to center in you, Jesus, the word. I pray today you'd help us to receive from you, and I pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak clearly and to stay on this topic. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea. Oh, I, I want to give you a little pretext here. Sorry. So this is important. So yesterday in this story, uh, Jesus had multiplied the bread and the loaves. And the people in that town were so excited about that because they ate that food. that They're like, okay, this guy can make bread multiply. He is going to be taking care of our, our, uh, our tangible needs. And it says they were going to make him king by force. And when he perceived that, then he left. He sent the disciples to go across the lake. Later, he walks on water, gets in the boat. And so then we're taking up on the second day. Okay, so everybody wakes up the next day, and here we are. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. And, <coughs> excuse me, that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Did you catch that? He did a miracle, and they physically ate bread. And we need bread, by the way. We need food. We need to eat every day. We need food. We can go, actually, you can go 40 days without food, but after that, you're real skinny. But we need to eat. It's a daily need. We need to eat. And Jesus is saying, hey, you guys are following me because you saw this miracle that I met your physical needs, which is important. And he says, but what I'm trying to get you to see is that I'm actually the bread of life. You're here because you ate some bread and it was delicious. I'm telling you, I'm the bread of life and I want to give you everlasting life. I want to give you forever life with my Father. And he culminates here where he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me. Listen to that news. Did you catch that? Our Father's will is that none of us would be lost. How amazing is that? Think about that for a second. What if the Father's will was like, hey, and our Father's will, like look around in the room, right? Look at your neighbors. Our, my Father's will is that 40% of you will not be lost. How, they, now for the competitive people in the room, you're like, I actually kind of like that a little better. But for the rest of us, we're going, that's, that's less good news. No, praise be to God that the Father's will is that none of you would be lost. And in fact, he goes further. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, he's repeating himself when they said, what are the works of God that you actually require of us? What do you want us to do? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And then he unpacks it to say, who I am is the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I want to meet your physical needs, but I also want to meet your forever needs. I want to meet an even higher need. I actually want you to live forever. In fact, it's the will of my Father that you live forever. What an incredible, extraordinary thing to be given to us. Like, I, and I'm going to, actually, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more, but I want to I take you through the story here as we go. But the will of God, the will of God is that Jesus wouldn't lose any of us. No one can take us out of Jesus' hands. Is that good news? No one can take us out of his hands, and the will of the Father is that we would live forever with him. That's what he would. In fact, he says this. I love this. I'm going to read it again. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. It's God's will that you should have eternal life. He looks at you and goes, you should live forever. You sh I want you, you should live forever with me. I'm going to make that happen. You should live forever with me. This is the will of our Father. That's pretty good news. He goes on. In the face of that incredible good news, so the Jews grumbled about Him. <laughs> 
Doesn't that sound just like us, right? It's like, all right, my father's will is that you should live forever. forever. Yeah, but why you got to say it like that? So the Jews grumbled about him saying, he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. I don't like how you said it. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the world, for the, I'm sorry, I've got to say that again. Here we go. Mm. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So he's, he's, he's like, I want you to get this. I want you to understand that when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and they ate manna, that was talking about me. That bread that came down from heaven, that wasn't the point. The point was, I'm going to be the bread that comes down from heaven. That was, that was an example of what I'm doing. But those guys died. They died of old age, and they're still waiting to be resurrected. And I'm telling you, I am the resurrection. I am the bread of life. I'm the one the scriptures are talking about. And I'm right here telling you that my Father's will is that you should live forever if you will believe that I'm actually who I say I am and that he's as good as I say he is. So you guys are with me. So the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is so crazy to me, by the way, because Jesus is like not even making it easy at this point. It's, I mean, they're like, hey, we, we want to know if you're the Messiah. We enjoyed the bread. He goes, oh, I'll tell you the truth. I am bread. It's like, Jesus, you're so weird. If you weren't doing miracles, we wouldn't even talk to you. And he goes, oh, no, it gets worse. It gets worse. So the Jews defeated. He goes, because then if you want to live, you have to eat my flesh. Can you imagine being there as Jesus is saying this just with a straight face? Like all those scriptures you've known your whole life, they're actually about me. And they're like, you know what? Hold on. We actually met your mom and dad. Oh, really? You actually have to eat me. <laughs> what? And drink my blood. It's like a, it almost feels like like in the schoolyard, right, where it's just getting worse, just building up. So then Jews, the Jews disputed amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Can you imagine being the, like the, the 12 apostles as Jesus is just like keeps ramping up where they're like, this is kind of weird. We've actually met your mom and you said you came down from heaven. Oh, really? Eat my blood, drink my flesh. You could see them like just sort of like, <laughs> Jesus is getting weird again. And uh, that must have been so intense. And it does kind of unpack. In fact, we'll just let it speak for itself. So when many of his disciples heard it, then they said, this is a hard saying. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it, right? This is a hard saying, Jesus. Who can listen to it? Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Now, here's a key where Jesus is starting to unpack what he's saying to them. He's going, you don't, you don't actually, you are hearing this through only a materialism or a materialistic viewpoint. You're hearing this through the flesh and you're missing the whole point. Because I'm talking about spiritual matters and you're just thinking about physical, materialist matters. You're thinking through the flesh. You're thinking of bread. And when I start talking about the bread of life, instead of thinking about eternal life, you're thinking about literally eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Of course, you're not going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, I, and the thing about this is, Jesus isn't even apologizing about how sensational that he's being. But, but he's actually pushing the envelope because he's trying to tell them, listen, the flesh profits nothing. If you're going to try to experience this through only the physicality of what you know, apart from the spirit, you won't understand any of it. If you're going to try to, in, you're going to, try to literally, you know, bite me as flesh, you're missing the point of this. I, my father's will is that you would live forever. This is much bigger than, than what you think. Your perspective right now, your context is actually off. And I'm telling you, the spirit is what brings life. I'm talking to you about spiritual realities, and I am God in the flesh bringing you eternal life. Are you guys with me? And, and this is a key thing right here, because Jesus, what he's doing is he's saying, you have to change your perspective to receive the very reality of what my Father wills for you, which is that you would live forever with my Father, holy as he is holy, loving as he is loving, forever living for he is forever living, because that's what he desires for you, that you should have that. He wants you to have that. But you can't have it on your own terms. You need to have it on the terms that he actually gives it, which is me. I'm the bread of life, and I'm giving you a spiritual reality. Are you guys tracking with me? So, 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 but he's doing this in a way that he's also like letting them decide if they want to be curious enough to follow him. And in fact, he turns then to the apostles. And so I'm just going to start that. Do you take offense at this? Then he says, then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? Is this, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him, speaking of Judas. And he said, 
This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We, we have believed and we have come to know that you are actually God. Where else are we going to go to receive eternal life? They're understanding the reality that Jesus is bringing spirit, that he is actually the bread of life. Now, where do we come in with this? Where are we in this story? Well, I would like to suggest that, that where we can find ourselves actually at this, at this time and in this life, because we, we live in a time, and, 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 and truthfully, I mean, we, we live in the West, right? We live here as, as a result of, 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 of postmodernism. And, and as a result of, you know, the enlightenment, as a result of a fully materialistic view that takes into account what you can touch, what you can feel, what you can see, and doesn't take into account that Jesus Christ is both flesh and spirit, that he is the bread of life. And so we can get offended with God because we're trying to understand things only through this short physical life that we have. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's, it's easy to miss the context of what Jesus, the bread of life, is bringing us and to try to get everything to fit into the container of this physical moment and this physical life. And I, and I want to say this. Jesus is telling them, listen, the, the flesh counts for nothing. That's not going to get you eternal life. He didn't say your flesh is evil. He was saying your flesh by itself, your material self alone without the spirit isn't enough. You won't catch it. You won't understand it. You won't inculcate it. You won't have the strength. What you need is actually me, the bread of life in you in order to begin to tap into and to manifest, to, to begin to demonstrate and live the eternal forever life that my Father has for you. And how do you do that? How do you do that? You believe that I am the one he sent, the bread of life. And one of the ways that we do that is we take communion together. And I'm going to get to that in just one second, but I want to, I want to bring one point that, that I feel is, is important for us so I'm just going to say it instead of talking about it, instead of talking about talking about it, is context. There is a point where many of us become offended with God because we try to judge things in what only happens in our 80 plus years. Let me tell you something. Reality does not make sense outside of the context of eternity. Our lives do not make sense outside of the context of eternity. The history of man doesn't make sense out of the context of eternity because there is not enough justice that we are going to see in our lifetime for God to truly be just. But there is enough justice 
that will be seen in eternity through what Christ accomplished and through what we get to do in this life when the judge himself does speak and give everybody justice. Does that make sense? But if I try to make it work now without looking at eternity, then, then it does seem like I've got a pretty good reason to have a beef with God. There's not enough mercy that will fit inside of you and I's short lifetime to make this life make sense. It takes eternity. There's not enough reward in this lifetime. Think about, think about the craziness of what happens in this life. If there's no forever, if there's no option to choose him forever or the option to reject him, this life doesn't actually add up. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come to something that, that, that is correct and right and we rightfully reject it and become offended with God because of our perspective. Because think about this, right? It's like whether you die, some people die at 12 and some people die at 112. How are you supposed to make sense of that? Some of us, you see people that live this extraordinary life and they die of cancer and then you see other people that live this horrible life and then they live this wonderful amazing life here and you're just like you had almost no trouble and you were terrible you're a terrible person how is this okay how is this just and we rightfully look and go god are you just and he is but it's only in the light of eternity that these things begin to make sense and I, and I think that I'll use one example, and then I want us to take communion together and, 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 and practice receiving the power and the beauty of the bread of life and, and, the, and the cup that he gives. But I think that when we look at this life and we try to make sense of it without bringing into, God, into it God's will and, and what, act, what reality actually is, that we were created to live forever, that we are in an act, a battle. We have an enemy, by the way. Like, you're not my enemy, but I have an enemy. And he is, his name is Satan, and he hates you because you're made in God's image, and he hates me because I'm made in God's image, and he'll do everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy, and to blame us to each other, and to blame everyone. So he's here, lying all the time, working and manipulating, etc. We have death. Death is a major issue, isn't it? How many of us have loved ones that have died and we're still brokenhearted about it because death wasn't God's idea? But the enemy brought death and it needs to be defeated. And in Christ, it is defeated. He's the bread of life. But when we don't see it through the eyes of eternity, then we grapple with it and go, how are you good when I lost my, my sister or my brother or my wife or my husband or my aunt or my friend and their life was cut short? How are you good? Or, or if I have to deny myself a desire that I have in this life and I never get to have that fulfilled in this life and I go, well, how are you good? And he goes, well, in eternity, that thing you desire isn't even in eternity because eternity is so much better than that. That's just a temporary desire that you have. It's going to go away in eternity. So yeah, you didn't get to fulfill that desire. But what is your life? It's like a blip here on this side, but it's forever in the fullness of his presence with all joy, with all purpose, with all identity, with all community, with all connection, with no sadness, with no fear, with no shame, with no hiding, with no identity issues. We are sons and daughters with him forever. And we look at that and go, oh, well, in that context, 
that makes more sense. And so I would say it like this. Imagine when we're in the womb. We're in the womb, right? Imagine if we were to say to God, in the womb, we've got this nine months in the womb, and it's like, you made me with eyes, and I can't see. You're not a just God. It's completely black in here. Why'd you even give me these? You're not good. And then at the end of nine months, you pop out, and you're like, oh. I thought this was all there was. I thought we just were in this place and swimming around and, you know. Oh, oh, I was, I'm not supposed to live here forever. This is the womb. Are you guys with me? In the, in the, in the context of eternity, we can, we can suddenly understand the reality of what he's actually brought, and suddenly pain has a context. There's a purpose that in order to be able to choose him, we actually go through a life where we have the option to learn from pain and to choose him, but pain is not purposeless. It's not just random. He's not just evil walking around, poking people to see what they'll do, choosing some, rejecting others. No, it's his will that we would believe in Christ and be with him forever. And that's just one example. But does that, does that make sense? And I believe that many of us grapple with this and we find ourselves seeking peace, seeking full contentment, seeking the full reward and reality of the kingdom forever, now, and we find ourselves frustrated, we find ourselves wondering if this even works, we find ourselves offended. And I, I want to encourage us today that Jesus is giving us an opportunity to remember that we are created through the bread of life. We are given a forever with God life. But it doesn't all fit into this 80 years that we get, 80 plus years. Are you with me? And when we try to do that, that we are unnecessarily offended with God. Because you're right that it doesn't all fit. You're right that it doesn't all happen here. How many of us are contending to be healed and we're still broken? How many of us are contending for relationships and they're still shattered? Contending for, for our mental health and we're still having to fight for it every day? Contending for breakthrough in different places and it hasn't come yet? And you're like, then, then why am I following you? And we're following him because he is good and he is giving us forever. But he did not promise that he would fit forever into this 80 years. We're in the womb and he's forming Christ in us. He's forming eternity in our hearts. That's the purpose of this part of life is for us to be able to choose him and to choose each other. That's why we're here. Because he, he would that we have a forever life with him. But it won't fit into this short part of the lifetime. And it gets even better, by the way, as he comes and redeems all things, just like Jesus talked about. We also have lots of benefits. Not only do we get forever because of Jesus and simply believing in him, but we also get rewarded for everything we do in his name for others. So it gets even better. He's a good, good God. But this is what the bread of life gives to us. Can you guys receive that? Now, as we prepare to take communion together, I want to remind you of this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When we receive this, in, uh, in Luke 22, it says, And when the hour came, speaking of Jesus, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. 
For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had, t- when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. They're having the first This is amazing, right? It's like they're having the first Passover where the fullness of what he just said earlier is happening. He goes, see, I'm the bread of life, and I'm going to go get broken for you, but I'm telling you, as you do this, this is the reality of the Spirit that you're receiving is everlasting life. This is the forever me. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. You're receiving this as you do this. Do it in remembrance of me because it's the reality of what I do. I'm providing everything you need for this life and forever. Are you with me? He took the bread, gave it, he broke it, gave it to them. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that's poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. I want to I encourage you that as we do this, as we, as we take this cup, yes, it's a physical act. Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. This, this, it says in Corinthians, Paul says, and we gave you the traditions of the apostles, that as often as you do this, you preach the death of Christ until he comes again. This is us preaching to our own hearts, to our own souls, to our own psyche, our emotions. This is us preaching to principalities and powers in high places, to angels, to our neighbor, that Jesus Christ was broken for us and that every need that we have Physically for bread, but also for the bread of life is met in Christ Jesus. This is us receiving the reality of who he is. And when we bring this into our body, we're saying, I depend on you for what I cannot do for myself. And we receive the spirit of God. And we're renewed in that covenant, in that commitment, in that dependence on him as we do it. So whatever you've got going on today, because you're all fighting a battle because this life is a battle. And if you didn't know that, be set free. That pressure you're feeling, it's real. Those frustrations you have, it's because you have an enemy. Those fights you're fighting, it's because it's worth it. Those temptations you're being tempted with, it's because the enemy wants to steal you away. But know this, you are satisfied and fulfilled in Christ, and he's giving you everything that you need to keep fighting. And if you're still here, that means you're still in the fight. And you can't do it on your own. So we take the strength and the power and the ability and everything that's found in Christ that we can't do for ourselves from the bread of life and we take it together. And he, he, he meets those needs in us. Let's take the bread. He took the cup and he blessed it. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This represents the forgiveness of sins and this represents the forever life. He gave us forever life. So we need not fear death here. When, we, when this body dies, we are given a new body, and that body will not die. So we don't have to fear death here. And this cup represents that. You do not have to be afraid. Yes, someone on this earth can kill your body, but Jesus himself already has a new one for you that will never die. And we are all going to be reunited in Christ. So do not be afraid. Our sins are forgiven and we receive the Holy Spirit. Let's take the cup. Jesus, we ask today, as we have heard your words, as we have 
taking the bread and the, and the wine or the juice that represent the true realities in the spirit of who you are, that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit to live the life that you're living. God, I ask for everyone today who came in discouraged that they would go away encouraged. I ask for everyone who was coming in today sorrowful that you would comfort them by your Holy Spirit. And I ask for all of us, Lord, that we would be bold to share the hope that we have for you indeed are the bread of life. Amen. I want to ask that the prayer uh, servant team and the elders would come forward. If we can pray over you in your ministry, which is your vocation, which is your ministry, which is where you live, which is your ministry, we would love to do that, to bless you in the work that God's called to you. And, uh, and for any other reason, if you need prayer, we want to definitely uh, stand with you and pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you shalom. Love you guys.